Well, good morning. Happy New Year. It is good to see you all. Looks like nobody slept in this morning. That's what I'm talking about right here. First Sunday back of the new year. I'm looking forward to it. Now, I want to start off this morning. I want to tell you about a place that was just magical in my childhood. It was enchanted. It was the place that everybody wanted to be, but not necessarily everybody got to be a part of. It was called the Texas Pool. Now, I don't know if you're from the North Texas area, if, are, if you are, if that's where you're, you're past, maybe you've got family members over there. I feel like if you just have a, a, you know somebody in the North Texas area, you probably know about the Texas pool. That's how big of a deal it was to me as uh, probably like about a fourth and fifth grader. It was Disneyland, but a hole in the ground. And what the Texas pool was, was literally just a pool in the shape of Texas, Okay. <laughs> And I thought it was the coolest thing in the whole wide world. And it wasn't just a pool in the shape of Texas. I mean, like, this was a big pool. This was our community pool, but it was privately owned. This wasn't like the HOA pools that we have out here where you, like, you have a friend that's in that HOA and you go borrow the keys and you just act like you're a part of that neighborhood. Now, I know a lot of you do that because you asked to borrow my keys. It's okay. We're in this together. Nobody's going to find out unless they listen to this sermon, Okay. But unlike the HOA pools, you had to pay a steep membership fee to be a part of the Texas pool. Because of that, it became the place that you wanted to be. Now, I lived in the neighborhood. I didn't have a membership to the pool. I once was a part of a daycare that I would end up getting kicked out of that had a membership to that Texas pool. So I got to just get a taste of it. I mean, for 25 cents, you could get three airheads. I mean, at the skating rink, they were selling three airheads for 75 cents. That's a quarter apiece. I didn't get that kind of allowance money growing up, so I didn't get the, the privilege of enjoying those. They had not just one volleyball net, but two volleyball nets. One was in the Panhandle. One was kind of in the West Texas area of the pool. Um, and you get to the North Texas area of the pool, they have not just one, but two diving boards. The low dive, really springy, probably a little bit dangerous. I think a lot of insurance companies would just shut that down today. The high dive... Pretty stiff, kind of disappointing. You couldn't get near as high as you think you'd be able to. I was a pretty big kid back then. All my friends were there. And the problem was that I lived close enough by that any time I wanted to go see who was at the Texas pool, just had to jump on my bike. Me and my mom, we'd go right around the neighborhood. And you'd drive by the Texas pool, and you'd just start pedaling a little bit slower, just a little bit slower. And you'd look in, and it was like the movie Sandlot, where all the boys get kicked out of the pool after they try to kiss Wendy Peppercorn, you know what I'm talking about? It's like that when you're driving by and you're just looking. I was, I was just keeping an eye out for all of my 16 girlfriends in fifth grade, and they didn't exist, so I never saw them. And I was looking for all my friends, and there was one day I saw at least four, four of my friends in the Texas pool. But the problem was, none of them had guest passes. I was with my mom riding our bikes. I didn't have a swimming, swimming trunks on. I had no way to be a part of this Texas pool experience that day. And I remember being so hurt about it. I remember looking at my mom saying, Mom, let's go to Home Depot. I was like, what do you want to go to Home Depot for? I'm going to buy a shovel. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig a hole in our backyard in the shape of Texas. And I'm going to put some tarps in it. And this is fifth grade logic right here. This is a pretty entrepreneurial plan. And I'm going to invite everybody in our neighborhood to be a part of this Texas pool. And it's going to be free, but you can't be a part of it if you have a membership to that Texas pool. <laughs> I was really, really hurt. 
And it was at that young age, fourth or fifth grade, that I realized that membership has its perks. There are privileges to membership. I pay this, I get that. And I think we have kind of become the same way when it comes to the church, especially the local church, the local body of believers. I think we can get a country club mindset to it. I think we can get in this zone where we say, I'm a member of this church. I tithe this amount of money. I want to be served. I expect this out of worship. I expect that out of sermons. I expect us to do this program. Why? Because I get, I've given my money. Because I've shown up with my attendance. And really all of this is a completely unbiblical view of what church membership actually is. You see, for the person that views the church as a country club, membership is about receiving instead of giving. It is about being served instead of serving. It is about having rights instead of having responsibilities. It is about being entitled over making sacrifices. And you see your tithes as membership dues that allow you to have these privileges and these expectations and you completely lose the fact that your tithe is an unconditional gift to God in obedience and out of a life of generosity. So my goal over the course of the next four weeks is to take this idea of what church membership has become and how it has become a country club and put it back into a biblical context to set the record straight. We've been programmed and rewired all wrong from what God intended this to be. We have been programmed by culture. In this church especially, we come from a lot of denominational backgrounds, and so we're coming in with all of this denominational baggage of how this is supposed to be ran. And so over the next four weeks, we will look at what God says church membership is, and we will rewire everything that's slightly off inside of our minds when it comes to this. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to 1 Corinthians. We will begin our journey through church membership in 1 Corinthians. You see, the church in Corinth was a church that Paul started in Acts chapter 18, and he is now writing to them from the place of Ephesus, where he also wrote the the letter to the Ephesians, the Ephesian church. He started a church there as well. Paul is on his third missionary journey. And what we see as he is writing this church in Corinth, that Corinth was a major trade city. Because of that, they dealt with a lot of sexual immorality. Because of that, they dealt with a lot of religious diversity. And because of that, they also dealt with a lot of corruption. They needed somebody to get them all back on the same page. And I think we can relate to that. I think the church in Asante, the church of North Surprise, I think this church can relate to that. Because in this day and age, without a doubt, there is sexual immorality taking place in the church, no matter what church it is. I know for certain that we come from a ton of denominational backgrounds, and we need to get on the same page there as well. And I know that there is corruption because we are sinful people. For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, we have corruption within our own hearts to deal with. Whether we have deceived ourselves into thinking we do not or not, we have to deal with it. And so, within the church in Corinth, with all of the differing things that were going on, Paul 
knew that he needed to unite them because each one of these issues was just ripping them apart. And if he didn't unite them, that church would no longer exist. And so he sought to unite them, and he didn't just seek to unite them in anything. He went for the priority. He knew what would keep them together once they were on the same page, and that is the work of the Lord. We see that, chapter 15, verse 58. And so Paul addresses what it means to be a member of the church, and so today we pull four things out of his letter to the church in Corinth to the Corinthians. And the first thing we see this morning is that being a church member means that I will be a part of the body. Being a church member means that I will be a part of the body. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 13 lays it out. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. What we see from this is no matter where we come from, because we're all coming from different places this morning, no matter where we come from, we all come from different places to be a part of the same thing. So it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your race is, what your gender is. It doesn't matter what your financial status is. It doesn't matter who you've been. What matters is who you are now in Jesus. And that is what it means to be a member of a church, to be transformed by Jesus along other people who have been transformed by Jesus. God has orchestrated you to be here a part of this church, in this community, in this area of Arizona, for such a time as this. Being a member means first and foremost that I will be on Team Jesus. Being a member of a church, one of the biggest prerequisites is that you would be on Team Jesus. And so football season. We're getting into the playoffs. I've got so many football analogies today. All the ladies in the house, I'm sorry. I'm just excited. I think the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl just like every year. I'm kidding. I'm not going to lie to you or myself this morning. So, sorry, Jacob. How do I join the team? If being a member in the church requires me to be on Team Jesus, how do I join the team? Well, first and foremost, you are recruited by the church. God calls you into right relationship with him. However he does it, I cannot fully understand, but God calls us. The Spirit starts to regenerate who we are inside of us, and we feel this, this urge, this, this calling that we cannot quench until we go before the Lord. He calls us into relationship with him. We're recruited by the coach, and then we put our trust in the coach. That means you put your trust in Jesus to save you from the wrath of God. Because we are all sinners. Remember, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Jesus, being God's one and only Son, came down to earth, lived the perfect life, became the perfect sacrifice, so that you could be forgiven. And being forgiven, He takes your sin, you take His righteousness, not a fair deal whatsoever. But He makes you clean and He puts you in right relationship with God. We put our trust in Jesus to save us from his wrath, to save us from our sin. That means something. That means you have to cancel any previous current contracts that you are under. 
You can't be playing for any other teams anymore. And there's so many other teams that you can play for outside of Jesus. You can play for yourself. You can play for the flesh. You can play for the world. You can play for the enemy. There's so many other contracts that we don't even know we are under until the contract from the Lord is put before us and we have to put our trust in him. You cancel those contracts. And in doing so, you repent of your sin. You turn from the life that you were living for yourself, for others, what for sin, whatever it was you're trying to fill your life with, and you turn and you run to God asking for forgiveness of your sin, then you put on the jersey. Then the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you and live inside you, and the power that rose Jesus from the grave is now empowering you to live the life of Jesus. It means that you play the game. This means that you live your life according to the way that God tells you. And when you're in the game, it means you run the place. And as believers, that means that we follow God's will, and that means that we obey God's word. The things that he tells us to do, we do. The things that he tells us not to do, we stay away from. And so that is how we join Team Jesus. And remember, being on Team Jesus, prerequisite to being on Team Church. And so it means I will be on Team Jesus, but it also means that I will be on Team Church if you are a member of the church. Being a member of the church means coming together on the same page. The same thing that Paul is attempting to do within this church in Corinth, we attempt to do when we come together as a body of believers, and that is get on the same page. And so let me just demystify what it means to be a member of Asante Church. It's it's not really glamorous. There's nothing real sexy about it. Like we're just, we're here, we're doing church in a cafeteria, all right? But we're going after it and we're running hard after the Lord. And so just as that isn't real glamorous, our membership process, not real glamorous either, but certainly, certainly biblical. It looks like this. You visit our church. Maybe this is your first Sunday. You fill out a connect card. I know a lot of you, you've been visiting like 16 Sundays. You never filled out a Connect card. We don't turn those into the government. You're going to be okay, all right? (laughs) We just want to know you're here. We just want to live life with you. After we have an idea that you've been here for three weeks and we have contact information on you, from you, that you've trusted us with, we will send you an email. And that email will invite you to something called Starting Point. If you are interested in being a part of this church, you can contact us. You can let us know, hey, I'd like to come to Starting Point. At Starting Point, we gather together at my house from two to four. We talk about the story of Asante Church, how God led us to plant a church in this community. We talk about the vision, the mission, the values, the beliefs of this church, and we all get on the same page. Towards the end of Starting Point, we have something called a membership covenant card. And that is just something that says, hey, I agree with these things. I agree with the mission. I agree with the vision. I agree with the values. I agree with the beliefs of this church. And then there's little boxes you can check, right? Because that's contractual. We know if you check a box, you're never going to not do that thing, okay? And it's, well, it's like we trick you into being a part of this thing. Not really. It means that we agree to worshiping as part of the body. It means that we agree to serving as part of the body. It means that we agree to giving our time, giving our energy, giving our resources to further the mission of the local church as part of the body. 
It means that we agree to being baptized. If you, have, if you have not yet followed Jesus in believer's baptism, that is where you make the choice to follow Jesus and you make the choice to take your faith public in front of this, this body of believers. Not someone making that decision for you, but you taking a public step, a profession of faith in Jesus on your own decision. And then we sign the membership covenant, and then I ask you, hey, tell me about your salvation. Hey, tell me about your baptism. And if everything checks out and it turns out you're not a felon, I'm kidding, we accept felons too. If everything comes through, then congratulations. You are a part of Asante Church. I know, right? Man, it's great. Look at us. We're all here. We're doing this thing. It is a privilege to be a part of the body because to be a part of the body means to be known. It means that you are not just known, but that you are loved, that you have people to walk alongside life with as we figure out what it means to be a little bit more like Jesus every single day. It means accountability. It means we said we're going to do these things. Now we're going to do them together. Being a member of the church, number two, means that I will fulfill a unique position on the team. I will, I will fill a unique position on the team. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 15 says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. We each have a part to play in this thing called the church. There is a role to fill, and it is unique to who you are, because who you are is uniquely gifted. You are uniquely talented for the task that God has for you in the local church that is at hand. In order for any sports team to win a game, every position has to be filled. I think the only sport that I know of where you can go and play while a player is not in the game is hockey, and it's called a power play. And you want to score against them because they're one less person during that moment of the game. There's a mission that we are on as a church. It's to see this community come to know Jesus. It's for the saints that are here, the believers that are here, to be equipped and encouraged and sent out to live the lives that Jesus has called us to live. There's something that we want to do, but it takes a bunch of very unique people to fill those positions. You cannot win a football game if you only put offensive linemen on the field. You might win two or three plays just because you got big bodies out there, but after five plays, everybody's going to be tired and not able to play the rest of the game. You can't win a football game by just filling the field with wide receivers. You've got to have somebody to block, somebody to throw the ball, and you've got to take the camera out of the wide receiver's hands because we'll be taking selfies out there for way too long. Really self-interested. You've got to have a wide array of skills if you're going to win the game. That means that coaches, they've got to lead. They've got to coach. The front office, they have to do the administrating, the offensive Part of the team has to do the scoring. The defensive side of the team has to stop the other team from scoring. The special teams, they got to ensure that you have good field position. Trainers, they've got to tend to injuries. Water boys, water girls, water people, they got to make sure everybody stays hydrated. The reason is because you are a unique person. God has gifted you. He has given you strengths. He has given you talents. He's given you weaknesses for a specific purpose. And those are fulfilled within the local body of believers. This whole thing is an always, constantly changing puzzle. 
this is a place that needs to be served in. Let's plug in this person here. This person would be good in this role. Let's plug them in here. But the thing is, is this puzzle is incomplete unless everyone is serving. And it's the worst thing in the entire world to spend two days on a puzzle that's been sitting on your kitchen table and maybe you're OCD like me and you just want that thing off the table and you go to finish it and there's like two or three missing pieces. That's what it's like in the church when not everyone is committed to serving, when not everyone is all in as a member. It also means that if your daughters are a little bit OCD like you, they're going to probably cry about that and you don't want that either. Number three, being a member of the church means that I will be functional. I will be functional. 1 Corinthians 12, 16 through 20, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So because functionality is key, this means that church membership is not a spectator sport. Once again, you look at any NFL game. How is it set up? It's set up, you have a few people on the field doing all the work, and you have thousands of people in the stands watching the people on the field do the work. The church is not set up so that the two and a half staff members we have at this church do everything. That's an unbiblical structure for a church. The church is built to be the body of believers where everyone stands up, where everyone steps up to the plate and they say, I see the burden. I see the task at hand. I see what we need to do. I see what we need to do in order to reach this community for the gospel. I see what needs to be done for this community within the church to be encouraged and equipped with God's word and then sent out. And I will help shoulder that load. It's not everybody watching in. I know I've been a part of mega churches. I've been on staff at really big churches. I've been on staff at smaller churches. And we can tend to get into that mindset of, I'm just going to show up. I'm going to watch the people that get paid to do this, do this. I'm going to watch these 20 people that serve in these same capacities every Sunday continue to do that. And I'm just going to show up and I'm going to take part. I'm going to sit there for a little while and then I'm going I'm to leave. That's not the church. The church is fully involved. The church is more than just an hour on Sunday. The church has many parts that need to be filled in order for it to function properly. So being a part of the church means that our, there are positions that need to be filled. And I would say that being a part of the, being a believer, being a part of the body, the bride of Christ, means that you will not be fulfilled as a Jesus follower until you are serving in some capacity. This is how God has designed it. And so what we need to do as church members, if we're going to be all in, is we've got to find our niche. There are plenty of places to serve within this church. All right, this is a church plant. You people aren't crazy enough to show up to this place and not think, man, I think somebody might ask me to help today. I'm looking around this cafeteria and I'm getting nervous. I might have to do something before I leave this place today. You have to find your niche. 
And for us as church members, that may mean that your niche is a place where you are talented, where you are gifted, where you have strengths. But I would say probably what's more likely as a follower of Jesus is that it's going to be a place where you're weak. It's going to be a place where you're uncomfortable because we can kind of do this thing in the flesh as just humans where we say, I can do this. This is my strength. This is my talent. And because this is all me and I'm doing such a great job here, God, you take a break. I don't need you to make up any slack that I have in this position. But God doesn't call us to do things in our strength. In fact, he calls us to do the exact opposite. And so if you are looking to serve in a church, I would say, go to God. Ask God, God, where do you see me serving in this church? And I would say, be willing to bet that it's not going to be in a place where you're comfortable. Because when we're uncomfortable, when the job takes 100%, but in our own strength and our own talent and what we bring to the table, we only have 10, 11, 12, 13%. You know what that means? It means that the Holy Spirit gets to show off in the remainder of what we, where we let up and how the job needs to be done. And so if we're going to serve in the church, it's probably not going to be a place, if we're asking God, where are you calling me? It's probably not going to be our sweet spot. It's probably going to be a place where we're needed and where we're uncomfortable, but God will fill the void and where we let up and where the job needs to get done. So this means that we need to find our niche within the church, within this church. There are many places to serve in. There are many niches to find yourself within. Just within a normal week of this church, this is all the ministry that goes on right here at Asante Church. We have our setup and our teardown teams. We have our nursery and our baby team. We have our preschool ministry. We have our kids ministry. We have our student ministry, probably where the Holy Spirit needs to show up the most. I think that might be a little crazy. And notice these are all ministries. This isn't child care. This isn't where you just dump your kid for an hour. This is where your kid comes to learn about Jesus, to have fun, and to be safe. That's important. We have our senior adult ministry, all right? They were founded before our student ministry was. And then they did the most senior adult ministry thing I've ever heard of, and they picked their own name. It's called Oasis, all right? So, if, yes, yay, yay Oasis. Uh, I'm just going to call you the senior adult ministry, okay? Uh, we have our audio video team where you can serve in the back with these gentlemen and make sure the service goes and happens according to plan every Sunday. We have our missions team where we plan outgoing missions to different parts of the world where we have incoming mission teams to help us right here in our community. We have our security team that keeps all of us safe every Sunday. You will never find out who those people are if we're doing a good job of that. We have our first impressions team, the people that meet and greet and give you a warm welcome on the way in, and hopefully a, we'll see you next week on the way out. We have our finance team. You don't have to sign up for this one. I'll ask you to be on it, okay? We have our social media team. You might see people around the church taking pictures. We want to make sure that what happens here, what God is doing here, is, goes out to the rest of the world, and we know that the front door of the church is no longer that door right there. It's the internet. It's our presence on social media, on our website. We have men's and women's ministry. We have worship. We have a speaking team. We have a prayer team. And we have home groups where you can host or teach a group. Now, that's a lot of places to serve. And I think that within this amount of people, we could fill every single gap that needs to be filled if every single one of us is saying, I am all in. It's a lot 
to go around. And it's an awful lot if there are not enough people to fill the gaps. And so with that many places to serve within the church, I think the problem is less of, I, I don't know if I can find a place to serve. I think the problem becomes, I can't find a place that I'm willing to serve. And so I think then you have to look at, well, what's the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me? Well, if the Holy Spirit inside of me is the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, well, now it makes the excuse of, I'm just not good with kids, really, really silly. It makes the excuse of, I'm just not good at talking to people, absolutely foolish. Because we have something inside of us that enables us to be so much more than we could ever be in our own strength. And so it renders every excuse void. So we're all in. You might ask yourself the question at this point, well, if I'm interested in serving, how do I connect with you? How do I let you know where I'd like to serve? How do I see where it's needed for people to serve? And I would say you've got a connect card. That's one of the two things you got when you came in today. One's, uh, one's communion, the other's the connect card, and you can fill that connect card out, and we will be happily in touch with you this week. Fourth and final thing, being a church member means that I will relate out of love. Being a church member means that I will relate out of love. 1 Corinthians 13.4, just the next chapter. You hear this in a lot of weddings. This is actually for church members. This is beautiful. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. And so what we see is that if I'm going to be a church member, I am going to operate out of love. First, foremost, and only out of love. That means that I've got to love somebody when it's tough. That means that I've got to love somebody even if they don't deserve it. I have to love somebody even if they have not earned it. I have to love somebody even when they make it really, really, really hard. Grace, mercy, grace, mercy. We relate out of love. Jesus never says, not once, that you just have to love the people that love you. That would be way too easy of a thing for Jesus to say. Instead, what Jesus says is, go, love them all, even your enemy. If Jesus is going to make a difference within the walls or the pipe and drape of this church, if Jesus is going to make a difference in this community, it will be because of the love in which people see for members of this church. There's a plan, there's a design in all of this. You want to win someone over, show them how much you care. You earn the right to share with them how much you care, but first you show them, you show them through love. So how do I love them? We remain in fellowship with them. You don't end the relationship no matter how hard it gets. We continue to encourage them. Everybody could use some uplifting. Even the ones that are easy to love could use some uplifting. And then we consistently pray for them. The only thing in this life that can make an unlovable person lovable is the power of God. We pray for that person, and we don't let up. We stay consistent in how we pray for them. We pray for them, and we pray hard. They're even more annoying than they were last week. Pray harder. Forgive more. It's even harder to serve with them this week. Pray for them harder. Forgive more. Show more mercy. So why? Why do we love? 1 John 4.19 says this. 
we love because he first loved us. You yourself, no matter how righteous you might be, are not perfect. And you certainly didn't deserve the love of the Father. But still, in your sin, Jesus seeing your sin still said, you know what, I love them enough that I want to give my life for them. So we love others because Jesus has first loved us. If we want them to experience the life-changing love of Jesus, it will be because we have loved them even when they did not deserve it. And God uses that. So what should I expect out of the church? A lot of this has been, what should the church expect out of me? What should I expect out of the church? put a lot more focus on this next week, but what I should expect out of the church is that as I go all in for others, that I can know that they are all in with me. They are all in for me. As I love and take care of the needs of others as they pop up of everyone around me within the church, I can count on that I will be loved regardless, and I will be served in my time of need. Church family, we are all in. This is not a country club. This is a body of believers. You have been led here for a reason. You have a part to play in God's local church. This is all in Jesus. This is all by Jesus. This is all for Jesus. We are a part of his body. We are his bride. And as his body, as his bride, we're called to be functional. We're called to love well. Let's love well. Pray with me.